Hi there. Welcome to Career Girls, a podcast by Ace & Tate for women who know that professional success is a marathon, not a sprint. I'm your host, Sing Sing, and I'm an author and journalist. No one can deny it. There are plenty of seriously impressive and successful women around today. But I always want to know the behind-the-scenes story of how they got there. Because I am, and let's face it, you probably are too, very, very nosy. Or curious. I wrote the book series Forgotten Women about those who proved themselves, even with all the odds stacked against them. So I wanted to use this podcast to talk to some of my favourite women to figure out how they do what they do. And I hope these conversations inspire you to find out what you want to do, or give you some advice to guide you on what you're doing already. In my first episode, I talked to Asma Khan, the founder of the critically acclaimed restaurant Darjeeling Express and the star of Chef's Table on Netflix. For my second episode, we're going into a totally different industry, events. Hi, my name is Nicole Krentzel and I am the co-founding director of Black Girl Festival. Hi, I'm Paula Akpan and I'm also co-founding director of Black Girl Fest. Let's begin with a question. How do you build a festival that serves your community and makes people feel amazing to be part of? When you meet Nicole Krenzo and Paula Akpan, you just know they're best friends. They spend just as much time laughing and taking the piss out of each other as they do talking about their big innovation, Black Girl Festival, the first ever arts and culture festival in the UK that celebrates Black British women and girls. And it's very successful too. In fact, it's sold out for all the two years it's been in existence. We met online, which I think sounds like a dating kind of app. We met online, I spoke right. <laughs> um, we met online, we were kind of like um, social media friends for a while. We knew that we were in the same networks of friendship groups. Um, we never actually met, but we were always liking each other's stuff and engaging with everyone online. It just seemed like really funny people to each other. Um, so I think eventually a friendship was going to be formed. Um, and yeah, so our kind of initial kind of conversations were through social media. Yeah, I kind of, I was seeing loads of the stuff that Nicole was doing with Unmasked Women. I was like, wow, man, this chick's really cool. I got I got to get to know her. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I remember messaging you just being like, hey, hey. hi. I like your stuff. Um, and then I was doing an art project with a friend and just invited loads of black women, including Nicole. And that was the first time we met face to face and haven't been able to get rid of her since. Nicole and Paula immediately vibed with each other. They had the same mannerisms. They had the same sense of humour. They even had the same ideas. And one of them was Black Girl Fest. Um, we kind of always wanted to kind of work together on some kind of project. Paula called me up and was like, hey, should we kind of work together on a project? She had lots of experience with I'm Tired Project. I done, I did Unmasked Women at that time. So we were like, okay, what kind of creative thing can we kind of come up with? Um, and I had an experience whilst going to um, a talk at Women of the World Festival at the um, South Bank Centre. And I told her about this experience and how the whole space was just full of black women. It, they, a lot of people were there to see Angela Davis and Chimamanda Adichie speak. And it was just incredible and you know Paula kind of said back to me like why don't we do our own festival like why don't we create a festival where we kind of put together all the things that we've ever wanted to see in terms of content in terms of people in terms of like activities in one space and basically recreate that feeling that I had um of just being surrounded by amazing black women um and so it was essentially just kind of just the kind of 
the start of something that we didn't really know what how we were going to do it you know when it would happen but it was just the idea that we were really really excited about I think we we literally felt like we were like geniuses that had struck gold we were like whoa this is so incredible like this this doesn't exist right like maybe we should research and figure it out and we just couldn't believe that no one had done it before like we we thought we were absolutely found gold in the treasure trove because we were like how come this hasn't been done before and how can we make this happen so we can make sure that this exists for now and for like future generations Why didn't something like Black Girl Festival exist before? Well, to hear Nicole and Paula tell it, it was all a matter of scale and ambition. I think there have been a lot of events that have focused or prioritised Black women and girls, but just like not on that same extent. I think it's because you just, you don't know where to start. Like, um we had a massive crash course basically and you know finding out that we need to get event insurance or how to set up a company and all those different things so it's a mammoth undertaking and you know people just don't have time or you're also waiting or expecting someone else to do it and I think we were kind of waiting to see more black women more black girls in festival lineups or you know talking about the issues like you know mental health in the black community or gender and sexuality when you're black and things like that and not seeing any of that content on the scale that we wanted all in like one place with like marketplaces and loads of workshops and interactive um, activities going on so I think it just we were just left with like right well let's just let's just do it let's just do what we want to what we would have liked to have seen Nicole and Paula both had some experience with putting on and participating in events so they knew the basics they also had the networks to put something like this on now all they needed was the funding to make it a business they have the resources they might have the knowledge but actually they don't have the capital the starting or the startup funds to actually make their project um, come to fruition and we find that definitely in the space that we work with a lot of people are doing things kind of DIY and self-funded um, and we didn't want to be like that we wanted something that was really sustainable and um, that was something uh, that was a, I guess a real challenge to break away from the normality of what the community is doing um, and actually create a business um, and that was the kind of the next step after the first festival. When Nicole and Paula came up with the idea for Black Girl Fest, they didn't intend to have to start planning it ASAP. But then fate intervened. So after we had our initial conversation and created our programme, we put it down for a few months and just went off and did other things. And then um, Nicole was offered a space in Shoreditch and they said that they'd really love for her to do her Unmasked Women exhibition there again. And she was like... This is a great space. How about a whole entire festival? And they agreed to it because I don't think they kind of understood like what exactly we're trying to do. Like, okay, that's cute, sure. Um, (laughs) And so I remember getting off the plane because I was in New York um, over the summer, and Nicole had sent me like this really excited voice note, just being like, "We've got a venue, we've got a venue," and this was like beginning of September. And then we were talking about it and we're like, oh God, we can actually like, we can make this happen. And because um, Nicole doesn't respect me and doesn't respect (laughs) my mental health or herself, 
She was like, how about we try and do it in time for Black History Month? Bearing in mind, this is September. Um, so seven weeks, essentially. So like Nicole said, we have, thankfully, we have the support of our networks and, you know, all the different people that we engage with. So we put up a crowdfunder and people were just sharing it. And it was, I think on the first day, we were like, are people going to give to this? Because we think it's a great idea, but if it's not, you know, if people don't think that the same, then it could have flopped. It could have flopped. But people were really excited about it and, like, pledging money. And that's when we were realising that, you know, people are actually giving their own hard-earned money to our project. So we're like, this is something that people want. Nicole and Paula didn't just hit their crowdfunding target. They exceeded it. That meant they could hire an events team on the day, which really helped. We reached our stretch target. So our target was about £6,000. And once we had gotten over a certain threshold, we were then given an additional um, by the City Bridge Trust. And then that allowed us to actually have more time within our kind of space for crowdfunding. And we managed to over kind of exceed our our target and stretch it to about £7,000, which gave us more provision to actually hire more people, to pay everyone. Um, And it also allowed us to really cover those kind of nitty gritty costs. So like paying for like extra security because thousands of people try to come into a 350 capacity venue and um all the kind of hidden costs that we, we we didn't like have in mind but just have had as contingency so it was really really helpful to kind of have the support from I guess our community and wider community and just people who just wanted to see it happen. Nicole and Paula have since changed up their funding model. For 2018's Black Girl Fest, they got sponsored by companies and institutions to put on workshops during the festival. Visitors went to Microsoft workshops to learn how to code and develop apps. Penguin was there to highlight Black female authors. Even the National Health Service showed up to talk about contraception and blood donation. As we've grown, we have kind of changed and adjusted our model, um, meaning that, you know, we're getting sponsorship as well um, to support and have other brands and organizations who want to reach black women and who want to work with us and create content that is actually reflective of ourselves and our audiences and we're working with them and they get to also work with our audiences and interact with our audiences and share their industry knowledge that is quite hard to access if you don't know how to um so that's what we've kind of been doing just bridging the gap between um, different organisations and our audiences as well. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. That first year, Nicole and Paula didn't have that sponsorship money. They did pretty much everything themselves, and all within a seven-week period. So how exactly did that work out? The whole seven weeks were just hellish. (laughs) It was just shocking. Yeah, we were both um, actually working full time. So it was a lot of lunchtime calls and then meeting up with each other after work to just like meet and talk things through. Um, So I think, so we were working on the crowdfunding and while that was kind of ticking on, we reached out to the different speakers and facilitators that we wanted involved and were asking them to share the crowdfunder as well. Um, And thankfully the crowdfunder was also like 
doubling up as like a marketing tool as well because loads of people were sharing it and getting excited about it. So then people were like, what's this? And then also like sharing it. Um, and then working around the promotion. So literally everything that happened in the first year was like, well, still is just the two of us. So Nicole was like designing posters and we were writing press releases. I was running like the social channels as well and sharing all the information about the different talks and the different people who'd be involved. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was really full on. And I very vividly remember like the night before when we we're just like packing loads of goodie bags in Nicole's. We we're both absolutely delirious. <laughs> <laughs> honestly talking the most and it was just it was so surreal and knowing that we had to wake up the next morning at like six or something to get to the venue and start do a whole day of just running around the festival um so it was really really full-on and really quite stressful but I think a really positive thing about the two of us is that while we were doing all of this we both have anxiety and we both are very aware of like our own mental states and like each other's mental states so it was constantly like checking in with each other sometimes we'd be like talking non-stop and then Nicole would be like wait 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 wait. how are you like how how are you doing and just like just asking like no but like let's take a breather are you okay um like what else is going on in your life bar the festival so I think we had like quite a few coping mechanisms in place for dealing with the high pressure that we suddenly had put ourselves under. So what happened on the actual day of the very first Black Girl Fest? Well, if you were anywhere near the venue, you would have seen queues stretching around the block. And Paula and Nicole couldn't quite believe it either. So the thing is, yeah, <laughs> I like to stress myself out with looking at like analytics and so when we had released tickets so they were like just free tickets um I was noticing that a lot of people were grabbing them and then it ended up being just under 4,000 people who had um, registered for a free ticket. And with our 350 venue, um, capacity venue, it was, you know, it was a little bit stressed at that point. We were just like, oh, wow, okay. But then we also thought that, you know, people take free tickets for stuff and then just don't show up so like you know there's gonna be loads of people who just don't come it's fine it's fine it's cold um and then a lot of people showed up a lot like a couple thousand yeah yeah uh, <laughs> so I think it was at that moment we were just like wow okay and then yeah both cried a lot on the day I cried a lot more um <laughs> I, I'm a significant crier <laughs> um and I think it was just like having loads of aunties coming up to you as well just being like I'm really proud of you like I don't know you but I'm proud and you're just there like thanks auntie um and then seeing like just loads of kids as well so just parents giving their like daughters money to go to a stall and buy a book that has like it's about a black princess or a doll of a black girl and things like that and just kind of like taking a minute for it to all sink in and realize that like we had like facilitated that um that I think that is like a really key moment in my mind is like wow like we actually did this thing in the hopefully has had an impact on these people like they're going to leave and feel 
I don't know, like replenished or energized. And a lot of people were saying like they'd never been in a space with so many black women before. And, you know, or there was one woman who she did a review and was like, I felt like I was floating. And it was like things like that, just like this, these spaces are so important. So seeing people really soak up, it's just, it means everything. Yeah, and I think as well, um, just to add on the emotional part of the day, it was also really stressful. Like, you know, a lot of people think queues are like really exciting. and It's like, whoa, 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 it's so popular. From a kind of management perspective and capacity perspective, it's really stressful. Someone has to sort out the queues. Someone has to make sure that people are okay. It's cold. There's kids. Like, there's there's so much that's going on that you can't be like Instagramming like, yeah, there's a queue when actually people want to get in. Like, especially if you're the person in the queue. Um, but just seeing how people were engaging with each other. Some people were in the queue for like max two hours and they were like, oh, it's fine. Like, I just made loads of friends with people in the queue. And that kind of energy and excitement just kind of showed us, although we don't want to recreate any long queues, we do love like the sisterhood and the companionship that people were having with each other without ever being constructed, without everyone saying, okay, let's just come by on the queue for a sec. You know, it was just black women being black women and that was just so incredible and I think what really touched me was when people were actually walking into the physical building into the space they were kind of getting the feeling that I got when I walked into the South Bank Centre and for me that really hit home that exactly that feeling and sometimes it's hard to recreate feelings and kind of auras and vibes and stuff um but it was being recreated in that in that like underground two 350 capacity venue um and that was really powerful that was just like how do how did we even do that how do we create something from scratch that is an embodiment of a feeling and I think that's really powerful and I think sometimes we forget that that's what we did um because we just kind of work constantly at it um but yeah that, that was something that I felt I, I was really taken aback by It would have been easy for Paula and Nicole to pat themselves on the back and call it quits. But no, having put themselves through the most intense festival run-up ever, they decided to make Black Girl Fest a yearly event. We did the festival and we were really excited about it, but I think we both knew in the back of our heads, like, this is an annual thing. This is something, like, we have created something. We've been a part of something that people want and it's in demand. And, like, just seeing those cues, it was like, people want to be in here. Mm -hmm. So we have no choice. Like, it's, like, we're doing another one and it just has to be bigger and better. So the last year's festival, it was in Shoreditch Town Hall and Protein Studios. And, um, it was much bigger capacity compared to the first year and we we just knew again we're just building and creating more and so the first year's theme was celebration but then we took some time to think about like what we wanted the next year's theme to be and we thought you know it's all well and good like celebrating but how can we how can we build upon that like how can we leave people with something that's lasting um so then we chose the theme of growth and the whole festival was around developing people's skills or you know providing um different experts who could impart that knowledge so we had like I said we had like different 
sponsors bringing you know tech expertise and also literature expertise and media expertise so like how do you pitch an article like what are the steps you need if you're pitching your first article to a commissioning editor or you know how do you finance and budget how do you set up a company we're in a London bubble and you know it's really great that loads of people travel down for it so people were coming from like Ireland and some came from France and from the north as well um but black girls are everywhere and we want to make sure that we're reaching all those different people without them necessarily having to like fork out to come to the festival just making sure that we're doing it in the different cities which have different cultures as well and soaking that in and making sure that we're factoring that in in like you know the whole um what we're trying to do and maybe one day international but yeah definitely focusing on like the black girls in Britain and around the country. But that doesn't mean they're resting on their laurels. Putting on an event of this size is hard and Paula and Nicole are always thinking about how to make things sustainable. I think the hardest thing about growing the festival was I guess definitely myself and Paula working full-time so I guess the amount of hours that we can actually put in we were both either transitioning between moving moving flats, so Paula moved to South, and I was living in the studio, I moved with my partner, and we were both changing jobs, and then freelance kind of came into the situation. So there was a lot of kind of personal career movement, and for us it was really questioning um, early this time last year, okay, what do we really want from this? Do we want this to eventually be our full-time jobs? Do we want to... Um, hire people to make it happen again and again what do we want to do across the year um how do we want this to be sustainable as a business um and really starting the works of what we would want the festival to be like Paula said in the future so how would we take it nationally how would we take it internationally and what are the stepping stones for us to kind of to get to get there um so it was it was those kind of challenges that we like normal kind of life challenges that we had to really think about um and make a move upon what we both individually needed but also what the festival needed um which is quite hard especially if you start something from scratch that you didn't really intend to be this big and now it's really big so you got to sort out the big thing and you can't it's not small so um so yeah it was it was things like that and as well as um just the knowledge as well so being really business savvy how to become more business savvy are there any courses that we can go on are there any books and articles who are the people we should be speaking to taking some time to really do research and to get to grips with what we were building um we didn't want to be kind of just these girls who didn't know what they were talking about and um who were kind of seen as kind of like a major player in the industry but weren't kind of qualified enough in some people's eyes to kind of take centre stage but we really believe that we are and we really believe that if there's anything that we can and do to better ourselves we'll we'll, we'll take that journey Um, so it's just kind of those kind of logistical kind of management business kind of aspirations that we were really focusing on for what we want to kind of achieve in the years to come Not everyone's first festival is a success but Paula and Nicole have undeniably nailed it with Black Girl First what kind of advice would they give to someone who wants to do a similar event on that scale? If you're looking to do something similar to a festival, um, definitely think about working with other people. I think one of our greatest strengths is that we bring so many different things to the festival and different skills. Um, so, you know, like I said, like Nicole does a lot of like the design and, you know, all of the packaging and branding and then I do a lot of like content creation and social media and all that kind of stuff. So it's like bringing different skill sets together to make it 
the functioning engine that it is. And so I definitely think about what skills do you have and if there are people that you've been thinking about working with or collaborating with and what they could also bring together as well. Because it just makes it a lot easier when there's someone else that you can be bouncing ideas off or that you can share different, all of the journey with. Um, So that would be my main thing. I think as well... um, a lot of people actually want to create festivals. Festivals are just kind of cropping up now and not just the standard kind of music festival that you see like across London, but kind of smaller arts and culture based festivals. I think that's amazing. But I think what I guess the recreation thing is something that I would have to say, rather than recreating what we've done, find out what works best for your community. And um, we created something because we are a community. We are those black women that want to have these workshops and these talks and probably already attend these exhibitions and go to these concerts or whatever so it was really easy for us to create from our own personal identity template um but there was no template for black girl festival we literally created from our own identities our own minds so i think for people who want to kind of recreate for their community is to really think about what their community individually needs and sometimes it isn't a large-scale complicated festival sometimes it's smaller scale activities sometimes it's kind of kick-starting conversations um sometimes it's actually just kind of working with the community to build together as opposed to doing it without them and creating for them so it's to kind of start from scratch really research who you're trying to make this for and see if there is some capacity to create something that really hits home for them um i think it's really hard to recreate black girl festival because it was a vibe, it was a feeling, it was an embodiment of a community, it was a group of people creating something for another group of people. And I, like, I wish it was recreatable because then we could franchise, but <laughs> but it's really, it's really hard. Um, it, all we can do right now is grow. And so for a lot of people who want to create something quite similar, it's to think about, okay, what's the stepping stones to get to the stage where we can one day grow as opposed to kind of recreating um but yeah I definitely advise kind of starting smaller scale working on just basic events building up like events management experience um or else that will just sweep you under like you wouldn't believe if you haven't done that before um and just building a network building a network and watching it grow is I think one of our successful traits between myself and Paula but also for the festival um and I think from there you'll find the inner workings of something quite quite amazing Before I let Nicole and Paula go to keep planning this year's Black Girl Fest in October, I had to ask, what kind of stuff are they reading or watching? As it turns out, there was one movie that is very pertinent to running a festival. I recently watched the Firefest uh, documentary on Netflix. <laughs> How not to do it. How absolutely <laughs> not to run an event. Um, yeah, that was really... That made me so stressed out watching it. Oh my gosh. The way that they were building structures like the days before. I was like, no. And I think like, honestly, and yeah, just knowing what all of the stress that goes into planning Black Girl Fest, which is in London and like, you know, within our community, people doing that out in... It was wild. Um, So yeah, that was quite an interesting watch. And then at the moment, I'm also reading Bell Hooks, Black Women and Feminism. And yeah, it's one of those reads that like, you're reading it and you're just getting angry 
And like, you're just like getting really frustrated, like reading about how, you know, black slave women were treated and like all of the ways that we've just been deliberately oppressed. And obviously it's like American and like based in America, but it's very relatable. So stuff like that, that I guess like really frustrates me, but also like fuels me and like why spaces like Black Girl Fest are so important as well. So yeah, that's what I'm up to at the minute. I too watched Fire Festival. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of showed us the template of what not to do. So that's really comforting. Um, if we ever feel like to do a, a festival on an island, we know what not to do. <laughs> um, so that was really nerve wracking as well because I could very empathize with some of the feelings that were happening, like some of the feelings some of the team were having on the on on the um documentary until it all went terribly wrong and then I just couldn't relate. Um I'm also reading this amazing book by a writer and author, um, Michelle Wallace, who is the daughter of like the famous artist Faith Ringgold. And her book is called Black Macho. And it's the kind of, um, it's basically looking at the myth of the superwoman and looking at how black women through, again, through an American lens, during the liberation movement in America, um, black women were basically left out. Um, The black movement is a movement of black men. It's a power movement for masculinity um, and patriarchy, black patriarchy. And I think reading that very, it makes me angry, but also inspires me to think about how powerful black women are as a matriarch and really understanding not just from an American lens, but how we as festival makers have kind of recreated this space for black women to exist, to liberate themselves. Um, as its own movement, maybe one day Black Girl Festival could be. Um, But definitely understanding the inner workings of the Black community um, really drives, I guess, us forward in the kind of ideas and the forward thinking that we have for the festival. So, yeah, I I made a pact to kind of read more to kind of fully read books written by black women authors um, and black queer writers as well to kind of delve myself deeper into our community. So I'm literally constantly thinking about black women (laughs) to some extent. Um, And that's really exciting because it really helps us when we are kind of planning and programming the festival. I'm Zing Sing, and you've been listening to Career Girls, a podcast from Ace and Tate. Thank you so much for joining us and thanks to our guests, Paula and Nicole. You can find out more about Black Girl Festival on www.blackgirlfest.com. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please toss us a like and hit subscribe. Tune in next time for more honest and inspiring career journeys.